Okay, recording. Go ahead. You were saying you have two choices? So I'm very stuck between a rock and a hard place as to how to find a program that fits her. I just called up Ellie Bradley. She's concerned about what's going to happen when her daughter, Teal, ages out of school. Right now, she's at a school for students with disabilities called Holy Childhood. If you could start looking at programs now, what would be, where would you go or what would you want to see? So there's work programs within Holy Childhood that I had hoped she would then head into. Holy Childhood is a very safe environment. She knows it. She knows the school. They know her. They know her abilities. They know her disabilities. So for me, having her there forever, basically, was probably my my goal. And now they're being shut out because the government thinks it is wrong to have people not out in the community. And the the kind of argument that the federal government is making to close those down is 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 what exactly money that the people are being segregated that they're not making a fair minimum wage you know all the things that really just don't mean a thing to me because her safety is my most important need Teal has cerebral palsy and a few other serious health conditions. Because of that, she probably won't get a typical job after high school. Ellie's telling me she wants her to go into something called a sheltered workshop, a place where people with disabilities go to work. These places are controversial partly because they're usually segregated from the rest of society, but that's one of the things that Ellie likes about them. You know, I saw that she wasn't comfortable with the typical kids. I saw that she wasn't herself with typical kids. I mean, there's many of us who want our kids in a safe environment without the typical public. The secludedness of these places isn't the only thing that's unique. Most workers get paid below minimum wage. After decades, workshops are changing. Some are being phased out and some are integrating, whether people who are working in them like it or not. So if you had talked to me in the beginning, oh, I was a huge advocate of integrating kids. But life and circumstances changed me. This is Exited, a podcast about growing up and trying to find a place where you belong when you've been told your whole life that you're different. I'm Karen Shikurji. I'm a health reporter with WXXI in Rochester, New York. After talking with Ellie, I had all kinds of questions, like just how secluded are these workshops? What does it even look like to desegregate hundreds of thousands of people? And what about the money? How is it legal to pay a whole group of people below minimum wage? 
Ellie's daughter isn't aging out of the school system for another few years, so I went to find someone who works inside a sheltered workshop now, someone who might have to leave. I started at Arcworks in Rochester. It's been around since the 60s. The workshop is huge. Massive ceilings, bright lights, forklifts are whirring around off to the side near stacks and stacks of boxes. Carrie de Olivio is sitting at one long table and her machine is not cooperating. Trying to figure out why it's just not working. Yeah, it looks like it might be a little stuck. Today she's rebagging. She's got a box of bags. Each bag has 100 bags in it. She counts 50 of those and then puts them in another bag. Then she places the new bag of 50 on a contraption that is supposed to tie the bag shut with a yellow piece of tape. Let's try again. She's doing this for one of Arcwork's customers, Thermo Fisher Scientific. Are there jobs that you especially like doing here? Mm, not really. Nothing in particular that's like your favorite or? No, not none of these are my favorites. Is there something different that you'd like to be doing? Mm, I don't really know. Carrie's 26 years old. She's been here for five years. Technically, she's not working. She's in training. Off to the side, Steve Leach is supervising production. These guys are great. They know right what they're doing. I just hand the work out, really, and they know right what to do. And You know, I really just, just kind of guide them a little bit, you know. They know right what to do and how to do it. I really just get them to work. <laughs> right there. The people enrolled in this workshop get job training and different kinds of services. Because ArcWorks is part of a bigger organization that offers all kinds of programs for people with disabilities. The Work Center is just one of their employment programs. The point of these workshops on paper is to give people a launch pad, a place to get skills and move on to a job outside. I work here. Yeah, I work in Loyal. And I like it here. Why do you like it here? Because I can do a lot of kind of new jobs and meet new people and get paid. I want to stay here as long as I can when I can, but. Not sure how long, but... <laughs> Why are you not sure about how long? Because they're che they're changing. They're they're trying to have me to go out in the community to get a job, and I'm not ready yet. And but I will soon when I'm ready.
When some students with disabilities leave school, higher education or a regular job is not an option. A sheltered workshop is one way to get work experience and training. Carrie's been at ArcWorks since she started aging out of the school system. It was part of her transition plan as a student with a disability. I don't feel like I have one, but I do. But I was born born with disability, so I'm not sure really. Why do you say that you you don't feel like you have one? Because I I'm not sure, right? I just I don't feel like it's I don't feel like I have one. But in my in my in my head, it's like. No, I, I do, but I don't think I don't think that much about it. I just do my I just go my life and do what I gotta do. <laughs> Arcworks is planning to integrate. They're planning to shed their status as a sheltered workshop and become a full-on business. But Carrie and her family are worried that might threaten her place there. It's good that they're integrating. I have no problem with that. This is Wendy Marcille, Carrie's aunt and legal guardian. Because she's still in a familiar place. It's not shaking her and rattling her to go someplace in the community where she has to start over again. And that's just terrifying to her. For Carrie especially, ArcWorks has been a source of stability. So, um, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Charlie mm-hmm. with my parents. But my, my, one of my parents has passed away. My, mom, my mother passed when I was 18. And my dad is, is on his own in the house in Charlie. Carrie had been in a transition class for a few weeks when her mother died. We took him after school and did homework and um, showers and dinner and love, love, love and all that stuff. Wendy and her husband Ron did that for a whole year. That's how long it took to get legal guardianship. You know, it was tiring for everybody, but it was the best that we could do because the kids needed somebody to love on them during that time. They were so broken, so hurt, and it was just devastating for the whole family. Oh, so you guys have been through a lot. You've been through a lot, a lot, a lot. Well, we have to say that um, God is good. He takes us through these hard times, and yeah, there's a lot of tears and there's a lot of frustration because your basic sense is, I just want them to feel better. I just want them to be better. But we can't do that. That's a process they have to go through. So for many, many, many years, the sheltered workshop was considered um, a wonderful support and service to people with developmental disabilities. Kathy Moylan oversees ArcWorks. It gave people an opportunity to work, to make meaningful contributions to our community. And I think 
what we've seen in the past several years is the model has um, almost, in a sense, been vilified or, or um, perceived as less, much less than desirable, some, some of which for good reasons. One reason for this cultural shift was something that went down in Georgia. Two women with developmental disabilities needed habilitation services. In order to get them, they had to stay in a psychiatric ward. And they sued, saying that was discrimination, a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The case, Olmstead versus LC, finally landed in the Supreme Court in 1999. We'll hear argument now, number 98536, uh, three, Tommy Olmstead versus LC by Jonathan Zimring. The women's lawyer argued that Georgia had to offer services in the most integrated space possible. Here's Justice Sandra Day O'Connor questioning the lawyer, Michael Gottesman. Well, Mr. Gottesman, what, what do we mean by the most integrated setting? Well, the, uh, in, the, in adopting the regulations, the Attorney General gave us a definition of what that means, and it's printed on page 21 of our brief. An integrated setting within the meaning of this provision is a setting that enables individuals with disabilities to interact with non-disabled persons to the fullest extent possible. Well, let me ask you this. Suppose that... The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the two women. Here's Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg reading the majority opinion. Unnecessary segregation of persons with mental disabilities perpetuates unwarranted assumptions that such persons are unfit for or unworthy of participating in community life. This was a big deal because it was specifically saying people with disabilities have the right to be as physically integrated as possible. The federal government has since told states they've got to get people with disabilities out of segregated spaces or they'll lose major funding. But in the case of sheltered workshops, it's not just that people are physically separated from the community. They're also being paid on different terms. Most people at work centers make $2.50 an hour or less. And that's legal because of something that started way back. Way, way back in 1938. After many requests on my part, the Congress passed a Fair Labor Standards Act. The point of it was really just to set labor standards for the country. This is Alana Sakovitz. She's a workers' rights attorney and something of an expert on the Fair Labor Standards Act. It was part of the New Deal era legislation, so a lot of it was recognizing that there are certain minimum standards that should be set for workers. That act, applying to products in interstate commerce, ends child labor, sets a floor below wages, and a ceiling over the hours of labor. This is President Franklin Roosevelt talking in one of his fireside chats. It is the most far-reaching program, the most far-sighted program for the benefit of workers that has ever been adopted. 
You know, I think it was progressive for its time. I think it was well-intended. I don't have a doubt that at the moment it was passed. I mean, the Fair Labor Standards Act, um, when it was passed, it was hailed as one of the most progressive pieces of legislation ever. And, and from that time, 14C was part of it. The 14C was meant to get people with physical and developmental disabilities out into the workforce. But it did that by giving organizations the option to pay workers below minimum wage. So it's the, it's the 1930s, and it, it's very different in terms of not just what kind of opportunities are available for people with a disability, but also understandings and assumptions about people with a disability. The 14C made it legal to pay people based on how much they do, how much they produce. Here's how it works. It starts with employers doing something called a time study. Which is when they take a stopwatch and measure the productivity of an experienced worker who does not have a disability performing the same or similar tasks under similar conditions as the person with a disability would be performing. The time study sets a standard for how much to pay per thing that is produced in a shop. So for Carrie... I do piece work here. Um, I do a lot of different jobs. It's like um, labeling bags or bottles. She's paid per piece. The idea is that with training, people will increase their rate of productivity, make more money, and eventually move on to employment outside the workshop. But that idea hasn't exactly held up. To the people that we support here working in the community is very scary. This is Megan Held, Carrie's case manager at ArcWorks. A lot of the people that we support here have been here really between, you know, 20 and, you know, 30 years. Um, this place has been stable for them, and this is something that they know. A 2001 national study found that in one year, about 5% of people left for outside employment. ArcWorks does have programs to get people out into the community more. Carrie, for example, participates in a volunteer program. And I go like a nursing home, and I like go in there and help people with their, with their, um, their, like play with games or with them or, yeah, maybe I might work there maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure what I, what to do. Carrie loves that. She loves being at the nursing home. She loves having a job where she can help be with people and help somebody. She loves it. Unfortunately, there's no program to do that with her every day. I mean, all day long. She has to go to the workshop. Wendy says Carrie isn't crazy about all the parts of her job at ArcWorks. It's a job. But there's stuff that she really does like about it. She goes to the dances. The Arcwork has, Arcworks has a dance every month. And she goes there and she's the belle of the ball. She just mingles and she chats and everybody loves her. She's funny. 
and she has a riot and that builds her self-esteem and then she goes to work the next day and it's like ah, same old thing Arkwork says that Carrie will be able to stay there if she wants to, but things are changing. In the next few years, sheltered workshops need to close, integrate, or operate without federal dollars. We view this as a tremendous opportunity, actually. This is Kathy Moylan again, who runs Arkworks. Truly, our, our workforce will be far more integrated, Um, and inclusionary with everyone enjoying the same privileges and opportunities that come with being an employee of a business. I thought with all the movement toward integration that workers would be treated the same and paid the same, But businesses will be able to continue to pay people below minimum wage, for now at least. People will be working on the same work side by side, but people's productivity on that work may be very different. These are people who are receiving services, and I think that's the other distinguishing point from possibly the person they're working side by side with is not receiving services. So this person may be receiving supports and services related to their health, to their um, emotional needs, to their behavioral needs. So we're, we're really, it's really not an apples to apples comparison. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Do I have anything else I want to say? I want to do over. Mm-hmm. Why, are you not happy with how that I'm went? I'm not happy with that whole DOL part. I don't feel like I explained it well. Okay, well, if you want to if you want to try and explain it to me again, I'm oh. happy to ask you about it again. But I, I feel like I feel like I understood what you were talking about. So okay, um, well, I don't. I mean, I don't want to come across like we're not being equitable or we're not being fair because that's part of you know that old perception of sheltered workshops that people like it was like people were working for menial or you know pennies. In a sense, like that organizations were taking advantage of people with disabilities by utilizing that 14C certification. So I definitely do not want to give that impression at all. But do you think that your concern about that coming across as um, kind of the, that negative association, and is it anything to do with ArcWorks, or it's it's just mm-hmm. the fact that if you have people that are getting paid less, yes. it has certain... It does have a certain connotation, and that is very understandable. Um, and it certainly is understandable. And it, and it certainly is true that some of the vestiges of what is defined as a sheltered workshop need to change, need to go away.
Kathy told me ArcWorks came up with an integration plan that'll include 30% workers without disabilities, 70% with disabilities. It's not yet clear whether the state will consider their plan integrated enough. When you say, when you said before that you feel like you're not ready, is that something that, um, like you you feel about yourself, or is that something that, um, like somebody said to you, oh maybe we should, you're you're maybe you're not ready yet, or do you know what I mean? I think so. <laughs> I'm I'm not ready. No one else is saying that I'm not ready, but it's my myself. My head is. I need time to figure out what I'm going to do and, and stuff. And, and do you think that like you can continue working here until, until you figure that out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. To see photos and hear more episodes of Exited, go to our website, exitedpodcast.org. I'm Karen Chikurji. Exited is produced by me and Veronica Volk. Denise Young is our executive editor. Juan Vasquez is our digital producer. Melinda Ruitt is our photo intern. Elisa Orlando is the senior vice president of television and news. Our news director is Randy Gorbman. Thank you to David Hoff at the Institute for Community Inclusion at UMass Boston for all the help with decoding CMS documents. That archival tape you heard is from Oye and from the National Archives. Next time on Exited. Leaving high school. I'm going to miss East regardless because I'm going to miss everybody in the school I'm going to miss. And landing in something called a day habilitation program. It's going to be a whole different thing. Once I need from East. Exited is a production of the Inclusion Desk at WXXI. The Inclusion Desk is funded in part by the Golisano Foundation, supporting move to include programming on WXXI and working toward a more inclusive community. This program is a production of WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.